Today on Moody Presents with Dr. Mark Job. You cannot tame sin. The only way that you overcome sin is what John tells us here is not by trying to white knuckle sin out of your life. The way that you overcome sin is by a powerful transformation that occurs within your soul. It's about fellowship with God. Welcome to Moody Presents with Pastor Mark Job, president of Moody Bible Institute and founding pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. Today, we continue in our Contrast series. This is a study meant to help us live in the world, but also reminding us that we're to live in sharp contrast to the world. We're in the book of 1 John, chapter 2, so that we can learn more about sin traps and testing. And by the end of this and next week's message, we're going to learn to take three tests to see if we really are walking in fellowship with God. Pastor Mark will also continue to help us understand that there is a difference between relationship and fellowship with God. Boy, lots to think about and hope you're not too nervous about that test. All right, let's get started with today's study here on Moody Presents with Pastor Mark Job. I want to read to you the first verses of John, 1 John chapter 2. He starts and he says, My dear children. Doesn't that sound like a grandfather? The older I get, the more it seems like people that are in their their teens or in their 20s, I feel like they're my kids. And I, that, that fatherly heart comes out. And so, John is speaking not to children, he's speaking to us, but he calls us dear children as an older man would. My dear children, he says, I write this to you so that you will not sin. He makes it clear what chapter 2 is all about. Chapter 2 is all about us not falling into sin. But if anyone does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for our sins, but also for the sins of the whole world. Today, I want to talk to you about three tests that John gives us in, John, in 1 John chapter 2 to see if we're re- really walking in fellowship with God. You see, in chapter 1, he introduces the thought that we have a relationship with God, but there's a difference between having a relationship with God and actually walking in fellowship with God. How about it? You may be a son of your father, but it doesn't mean that you're walking in fellowship with your father. You'll always be the son of your dad. You'll have his DNA. Biologically, you'll always be his son. It's on your birth certificate. You can never get away from it. You'll always have that relationship. He'll always be your father. But sometimes relationships degenerate. Maybe You got mad about something that happened at a family gathering or something that your father should have done or didn't do, and so you've had a resentment or bitterness, and you no longer talk to your father, or you're mad about the way he treated your mother or an affair that he had or whatever it may be, and so you're still your father's son, but you're not walking in relationship with your father. It's the same way with God. If you have come to God through Jesus Christ and been born again, you are a son or daughter of God. But sometimes as sons or daughters of God, we don't walk in fellowship with him. 
And what John goes on to tell us really in these verses, he he goes on to tell us that what breaks our fellowship with the Father is this thing that we call sin. And so he, he starts to tell us that he wants us to walk in fellowship with God on a regular basis, but the problem with walking in fellowship is that we sin. And when we sin, we break our, not our relationship with God, but we break our fellowship with God. This is a huge important point. Uh, Some people believe that when they sin, they lose their salvation. And uh, I run into people that say, "I, I came to Christ, I gave my life to God, but I need to get saved again. Well, I thought you were, gave your life to Christ six months ago. I know I did, but I think I need to get saved again because I fell. No, you don't need to get saved again if you're saved and given your life to God, you're a son or daughter of God, then you have the Holy Spirit sealed inside of you. There's nothing that can undo you being a son or daughter of God, but you can walk out of fellowship with God. You don't need to get saved again. You need to get into right fellowship with God. Are you tracking with me? This is really important. This is huge that you understand that. People need to get back into right fellowship with God. And so John says this. He gives us three tests to see if we are walking in fellowship with God or not. If you're sitting here today and saying, I'm a believer, but I'm not sure I'm walking in fellowship with God, he gives us three tests. Three tests that you can apply to yourself. Uh, Number one, test number one is this. If you're taking notes, jot this down. Am I walking in victory over sin? Am I walking in victory over sin? I read a a recent survey done by a Christian magazine, and they had their readers anonymously write in to mention what were the top sins that they struggled with. The survey came back, and sin number one was materialism. Number two was pride. Number three was self-centeredness. Number four was laziness. Number five was anger and bitterness. Number, uh, number, well, number five and was tied with anger and bitterness and sexual lust. Number seven was envy. Number eight was gluttony. Number nine was lying. The people that filled out the survey said, that their temptations were stronger when they had neglected time alone with God. Here's the thing, folks. We all struggle with sin, every single one of us. There's not a person in this auditorium that last week you didn't struggle with some area of sin. And if you say, well, Pastor, no, no, I don't think so. And I already know you struggle with pride, so let's chalk that up as one of your issues, okay? Or lying, let's chalk that up with one of your issues. But we all struggle with sin. It's always crouching at the door. Temptation is always around us. There's always something around us trying to knock us out of our walk with God or our fellowship with God. So you can have two attitudes or a couple attitudes about sin. You can throw up your hands in the air and say, well, I'm human, we all sin, so I might as well just sin and not think too much about it. It's no big deal. 
after all, we're all humans. I mean, I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. So let's just sin. Or you could have the other attitude of, I keep sinning. I'm going to try to manage my sin. I'm going to try to be better. I'm going to try to fight my sin. I'm going to try to um, manage sin out of my life. And oftentimes we do that and, and find out that we keep sinning. I don't know if you have come to the altar and said, I'm really broken over this and I never want to do it again. God, I'm so sad about it. I really want to change. And then three weeks later, you're back at the altar over the same sin. Because sin cannot be managed. You cannot tame sin. The only way that you overcome sin is what John tells us here is not by trying to white-knuckle sin out of your life. The way that you overcome sin is by a powerful transformation that occurs within your soul. It's about fellowship with God. When you are walking in close communion with God through His Holy Spirit, when you are walking in fellowship with God and hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit convict you, when your heart is clean before God and you are speaking to Him and He is speaking to you and your heart is sensitive and you feel at peace with God, that is the only way that you will ever begin to overcome a life that is dominated by sin is fellowship with God. And that's the point that John makes. So he says to us, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. Let me say this. I know that you'll struggle, you and I will struggle with sin until the day we die. But I also want to make clear this. Listen to me. Look up at me. This is huge. Once you have God in your life through His Holy Spirit, once you have the Holy Spirit inside of you, you no longer have to sin. Romans tells us that before we came to God, we were slaves to sin, that you had to sin, that you were just driven by sin. It was a master. You could fight it, but it dominated you. But once you come to God, you no longer have to sin. You are no longer a slave to sin. In fact, it's the Holy Spirit inside of you that gives you the power to overcome sin, the power to say no, the power to live a different way. Once the whole, not by your own power, not by your willpower, not by your goals and uh, New Year's resolution, but this is about a power that's greater than you, that lives inside of you. It's God himself that comes and lives inside of you, and we call it the Holy Spirit. My dear children, I write to you so that you will not sin. But, oh, thank God for the but. Because if it was all about I write to you so that we will not sin, implicit in the gospel message is that we stop sinning. In fact, when people come to God, and if you've given your life to God, repentance is about that. Repentance is about, I believe in God, but I also turn my back on sin. You can't add God to your life without saying no to sin. You can't say, well, I want you in my life, God, but I still want to keep sinning and doing everything I did before. I just want you in my life, just in case I get in trouble, you know, everybody needs connections up there. Seriously, I run into people that act like that. They say, well, I really need God in my life. What do you need God for? Because I'm in trouble. 
And I really need God because, whoa, I'm in trouble with my wife. I'm in trouble with the law. I'm in trouble with my kids. I'm in trouble with my job. I got a lot of issues. Oh, I really, God, come and help me out. And, and God does that. But, but, but listen, when you invite God into your life, you are saying, I choose to live your way. And in choosing to live your way, I turn my back on the way that I was living that is contrary to you. The Bible uses the technical word repentance. Repentance literally means to turn from where you are going to a different road. It means I turn around from this road and turn to this road. I turn my back on sin and I say, I used to live that way, but no longer am I going to live that way. I'm going to live God's way. You know, there is so much bad news. What we're hearing today on Moody Presents with Mark Job is great news. There is a remedy that gets us back into fellowship with God. And that remedy, and that remedy is through our advocate, our coach, our helper, our lawyer. And of course, that's Jesus. He's the one who was born at Christmas, died at Easter on the cross for one reason only. Not as a martyr, but as someone who came to pay for our wrongdoing, our sins. Now, the question is, have you received the gift of forgiveness? Have you made Jesus in charge of your life? The Bible word is Savior. You know, you can do that right now. You can make Jesus in charge of you and know for sure that you're right with God, you're forgiven, and that you're headed for heaven. Pray with me if you'd like this kind of a relationship with God. Lord, I agree with you that I've messed up and I am a sinner. And I thank you that you died on the cross in my place to forgive me of my wrongdoing, my sins. I want to turn away from them, repent of them. Would you help me, Jesus? And would you be in charge of me from this day forward, my whole life? In Jesus' name, amen. This is a conversation that you can keep going online at chataboutjesus.org, chataboutjesus.org. Or if you'd rather talk to a real live human being, you can do that at 888-NEED-HIM. A volunteer is glad to answer your questions about knowing Jesus at 888-NEED-HIM. Now back to our teaching with Pastor Mark Job here on Moody Presents. John is telling us that I write this to you so that you do not sin. I know we're not Greek experts here. The New Testament was written in the Greek. The This you do not sin is in what's called the aorist form. It's, it's the verbiage of the aorist, implying the absence not only of the ha- habit, but of the single act of sin. What John is saying is that you and I have the power. We have the power, not that we use it. It's like our brain power. People tell us that our that most of us use only about 20% of our brain. Have you heard that? So you have brain power to, to use a lot more. The problem is we don't use it. You also have the spiritual power to live a lot differently than you live right now. You have the spiritual power to overcome sin in your life. In fact, you have the power to live literally without sinning. Technically, you have that power. You'll struggle with temptation to the day we die, but technically we have that power by the power of Jesus Christ. So he goes on to say, but if anybody does sin, which we do because we fail and we fall even as believers, the great news is this. The great news is that your sin 
will take you out of fellowship with God, but there is a remedy to get you back into fellowship with God. It says, we have an advocate. Say that out loud, advocate. The word, actually, this word in the Greek is the word parakalite. It's found only five times in the New Testament, all written by John. You'll find it in John 14, 15, and 16, mainly referring to the Holy Spirit. The advocate or counselor, another word for that is coach, helper. In this context, it's more like a lawyer that comes along your side to defend your case. When we do sin, we have an advocate. We have a counsel. Uh, one who speaks to the Father in our defense. Uh, to who the Father? To God the Father. Why does he need to defend us before God the Father? Well, in Revelation chapter 12 verse 10, it says that there is an accuser. It says, for the accuser of our brothers who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. It's talking about Satan. It's talking about our in, the enemy of our soul. Do you realize that day and night there's accusations about you being hurled against you to the Father? Here you are, you came to Christ, say, I want to follow God, but you're struggling. You blow up at your kids, let a few swear words pop out. You're angry at your boss because they gave someone else the raise and you're gossiping about them and resentful. You, uh, you, you're mad at your mother-in-law because she doesn't let your husband grow up. He's just a little baby always to him and you want a man, not a little boy and you're kind of wrestling through that and... And you just think it's normal struggles of life, but there's an accuser watching everything that you do. And the accuser is constantly, day and night, 24-7, accusing you before the Father. Hey, you know that person that said they gave their life to you? Didn't realize what they did. They just swore at their kids, blew their temper. They're a child of years. I mean, they're a degenerate, mad person, gossiping behind the back. Hey, they worship in church, but have you seen how they gossip at their work? And have you seen what they think about their mother-in-law and how angry they are? Man, there's your child. Hey, they need to, they deserve condemnation. They deserve guilt. They are, they are not who they say they are. They're not worthy. They belong to me, not to you. There is an accusation just levied against you. Have you seen the greatest prosecutor's uh, if you've ever watched some of these uh, court programs, you know that a prosecutor will try to do everything in their power to defame the person that they are trying to prosecute and accuse. They'll search their background. They'll question their motives. They'll... Uh, bring witnesses to the stand, everything to tear down the character of the person that they are trying to condemn. That's exactly what the enemy does to you before God. But thank God we have an attorney. He's the advocate. What does an advocate do? He, he fights on our behalf. The advocate, Jesus Christ, the righteous one, it says, but we have an advocate who speaks to the Father on our behalf. 
Now, he's different than other lawyers because he doesn't try to argue for our innocence. He doesn't say, no, no, they didn't do that. Oh, no, they're not bitter. Oh, no, they didn't swear. Oh, no, he says, yeah, they did swear. Oh, they are bitter. They are angry. They did lust. But I advocate before you, Father, that all of that they did, I paid the price for. It's been paid. It's been finished. It's been clean. I took the payment for it. I took the guilt of it. I have paid the price for it. Uh, he argues his righteousness and your progressive sanctification. And so here's what he says. We have an advocate who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. One who's holy, one who's pure, no, one who's never known sin. He argues before the Father in our defense and he is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. Uh, the, the, literally, the word there is he is the propitiation for our sins. How many of you have heard that word and have no idea what it means? Like, okay, propitiation. Um, it's a little bit of a technical word, a, a religious word. But the word propitiation, um, uh, actually, the word here is helesmo. Helesmo means this. In, in some translations, it says the atoning sacrifice, but the proper translation, the more proper translation would be the propitiation. And that word propitiation simply means someone that is not in a right place, someone that does not have favor, they are granted favor, and their problem or whatever is causing them to not have favor is taken away. So there's a... They propitiate and they expiate, so to speak. In other words, propitiation means that I owe you something. I have something in my life that causes me not to have favor. So I'm granted favor and whatever is causing me not to have favor is taken away from me. You understand the concept? So Jesus is the propitiation. He brings the favor of God back to our life. And that that's causing us not to have favor of God, the wrath of God is taken away from our life. Our sin is taken away from our life, so the wrath of God is no longer upon us. Now I want you to understand this because this is huge. You and I, because of our sin, deserve this powerful consuming wrath that would send us to eternity to hell. That's what we deserve. So never say to God, God, I want what I deserve. Whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. No, 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 no. You don't understand. No, no, don't ever say that to God. God, this isn't just. I want what I deserve. Whoa. If you and I got what we deserve, we'd be in bad shape, a seriously bad shape. You don't want what you deserve. You want mercy. Uh, you don't want justice. You want grace. You need to understand that. We're not advocating, oh God, give me justice. Give me what I deserve. You want the grace of God. When God looks at you, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, no matter what you were, who you slept with, how long you were there, how hateful you were, what crimes you committed, what darkness is within your soul, when you come to God and Jesus comes into your life, 
He does something in your life. As you turn to him in repentance and believe, he takes away the blackness and darkness that's on your soul and he washes it away and gives you favor. And how does he do that? Well, when God looks at you, he doesn't see you. He sees the righteousness of Jesus imputed upon you. We are, Scripture says, the righteousness of Christ. Being thankful for God's grace when we deserve God's justice. Boy, that's a profound thought. Thank you, Pastor Mark. We'll look forward to part two of The Real Test as part of our contrast teaching series next time that we're together. In the meantime, I want to encourage you to check out the resources that will help you with your daily study of God's Word at our website, moodypresents.org. There you'll find a link to Today in the Word. This is a daily devotional with great teaching from the Word of God, a different topic or book of the Bible every month. Look for Today in the Word. Also, links there for classes offered at the Moody Bible Institute. Also, your chance to become a monthly partner with Moody Presents. When you decide to give at a level of $30 a month or more, you're eligible for a 50% discount from our friends at Moody Publishers. 50% half off every Bible study, devotional, every teaching tool, every kid's book, all there, biographies and more at half off, as long as you're a monthly partner with Moody Presents at $30 a month or more. And there's a link there at moodypresents.org where you can start that today. That uh, 50% discount, by the way, is available to you as often as you want, whenever you want. Again, that's all at moodypresents.org. I'm John Geiger thanking you for listening today to Moody Presents, a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.